0: Amazing. Thank you all, each and every one of you all, for your gifts and how you use them to glorify God and that we get to be part of that as well. Um, I I started thinking about this story last week, and I want to say a couple of years ago, but it was really a couple of decades ago. I don't know if you all have those experiences where you feel like something was just a couple of years ago and it was really decades ago. No one. I it. I guess it's just me. Um, I heard y'all online laughing, so that was good. Someone was paying attention. I was thinking back about. Um, I, w- I got to be a part. Uh, part of my education career included working at a residential facility, residential psychiatric facility for children and youth in state custody. And I was part of the education team in various ways there for nine years. And there was a time that that education crew, we were really close. And there was a particular lady who was just so gracious and nurtured me in so many ways, including inviting me over to her house with others of us from that education team for my birthday. I have a December birthday, and there's some nuances to having a December birthday. Not complaining, just, just claiming the truth. When your birthday is in December, it's interesting. Um, and so for someone, it always gets lost. And like it's all I've known, so I get it. But she made this really big deal about my birthday one year and she had us over to her house and she fixed the table up and there was a plate there and it was a red plate and it said happy birthday Brooke and she explained that it's a plate that I don't know if you still can do it but you could get it from Hallmark and it was a tradition within her family They had a plate for each person that on their birthday they got to eat off of their birthday plate. And she gave me a plate with my name on it to take home, to use to celebrate on my birthday. It was like she made me a part of the family, she honored my birth date and we celebrated my life. It's one of the memories when I think back on birthdays that I think about, about that plate, but not just about that plate, but about what it recognized, what it meant. You see, because birthdays have meaning, they have traditions, and they have implications. And today, we come together as a church on what is known as Pentecost Sunday. You're like, that's great. Some of us are like, immediately, we know what Pentecost Sunday means. Others of us, were like, I'm not going to raise my hand as the one that doesn't know, but I'm not sure I understand what Pentecost Sunday is. We have spent the last few weeks, I guess it's more like six or seven weeks, focusing on the book of Acts, we, we celebrated the, re- the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And then the very next week, we began this focus on the early church, on those who had stood there and listened and heard Jesus say, go and make disciples, Teaching and baptizing. And I'm going to be with you always. They had to absorb that. And then what did they do with that? And what they did with it is miraculous. And is a part of our story as well. As we continue in the meaning, tradition, and implications of the birth of the early church. That is what Pentecost Sunday is about. It's about this The Holy Spirit pouring out on those early believers and then what they did with that. And we have spent the past weeks focusing on what they did with that. And so we conclude this series by going back to the beginning. Not because we didn't realize what we were doing but because now we have this information about what the early church did. They had an uncommon vision. They spoke boldly, not just to express their opinions. They were speaking boldly about the truth of Jesus Christ. They stepped outside of their comfort zones. They included even those people, those non-Jews, the Gentiles. They had a reputation for turning the world upside down. And they had their stories about how Jesus had changed their lives. And they told those stories. So today, we look at the birth of the early church as we read a classic scripture that comes from Acts 2. I want to remind you as I've referenced um, how we read the book of Acts, that was part of our Bible reading plan. And this week, we finished our Bible reading plan on turning the world upside down. But starting next week, we start a new series called Surprise by God. And it is our summer reading plan. I encourage you to pick it up out, outside what's at the information center. Or you can go online at org slash Bible. And you can get your own plan there. It is a great way to... To involve the practice of reading scripture and um, doing so connected to our series, so I'm going to read Acts. I turned to Philippians. I'm not going to read Philippians. I'm going to read Acts 1. I mean, 2, 1 through 21. And here is where remembering setting the 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 setting setting the setting. It's kind of interesting. I'm setting the, what's going on? There we go. I'm setting what's going on. And so we have that those who, the, the 11 disciples, because Judas is no longer a disciple, he's deceased, and they had chosen Matthias. And we hear, see that explained in Acts 1. So they're gathered together. And this is when the Holy Spirit pours out upon the early church. When the day of Pentecost came, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And everyone who calls on my name, on the name of the Lord, will be saved. So, what does this mean for us? What does Pentecost Sunday mean for us? There's some key things that happened in the scripture and happened also within the early church. They give us an example of what it means to be part of this bigger story of not an organization. The church isn't just another organization. It's not an institution. Simply, we've created that. Yet, us as the church, as the collective church, it is much bigger than us as individuals You see, being in the church is not an individual activity. It is a collective movement. As a parent, one of the things that has been amazing to watch our son get to be part of the past couple of years is he's been part of a local high school marching band. It has been something else to watch him, one individual, get to be part of something much bigger than he is. To see his value of it's important what he is doing as a part of that collective group. Yet it it is important what he does and yet it's not about him. It's about being part of something much bigger than us. Much bigger than just Concord, though getting to be part of Concord is something amazing. It's about being part of a collective movement. See, the Holy Spirit was present before this day. We see even in Genesis that the Spirit was part of the creation story. We see the Spirit involved in individual things with individuals. Yet, What we see on Pentecost Sunday is the Holy Spirit pours out on a collective group, on a group, not individuals, but on a group, not on an institution, but on a group. A group that had hidden it behind locked doors when Jesus was crucified. Peter was part of this collective group. We see him speak into what is going on. Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, even though he said he wouldn't. It's the group we've got, the group of the 12. We've got this group of made up of individuals who in and of themselves are incapable. But through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, as we have seen over the past weeks, what that group did and what those that they interacted with have done, we are here today because of what happened all the way back there. We are part of a collective movement of something much greater than us that is where the Holy Spirit has poured out you see, the role of the Holy Spirit is invaluable. Turning the world upside down requires the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever been part of a group that's a very talented group, but you never produced what you were supposed to produce. You had all-stars on the team. I was part of a basketball team my junior year in high school, and we were supposed to be pretty good. We couldn't even win the Christmas tournament. I know, thank you. Um, that was That was one of those teams I was glad I rode the bench on. I was just going on, I, I have nothing. I, if you'd let me in, I'd try. but it I was part of this group that had all, that, that had these elite players on it, but yet we didn't work together as a team. You see, being part of the church, being part of this collective movement where the Holy Spirit pours out, what we know is we are incapable out of who we are, but we are capable through Jesus Christ and through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Late last week, the staff gathered to celebrate Larry. And it was just a great day that we got to spend time. One of my favorite parts of the day was we were in a backyard, circled up in our camp chairs under the shade of a tree. And people started telling stories. Larry told stories. People told stories about Larry. And then one of the powerful moments was the telling of the stories about how this community of faith for three years one time every month literally a month after katrina hurricane katrina hit new orleans in that area how this church sent a team every month for three years to the same community and the work that was done in the name of jesus in helping folks with the basics of things, and what resonated with me with each story, was the the literal acknowledgement of how the Holy Spirit was in in that work, in the, in the traveling to, in the being with, in the folks that were met, the church that the the various churches interacted with, the families, the stories. You see that wasn't just a volunteer opportunity. That was the movement of the Holy Spirit through a collective group to go and do what we've been called to do, to live it out. You see turning the world upside down requires the Holy Spirit. It also keeps it requires keeping the main thing, the main thing. Anybody remember Stephen Covey? No, no. Y'all are, are y'all asleep today? Um, Stephen Covey, several, it's been a couple of decades ago, um, Seven Habits of effective, Highly Effective People, he talked about the significance of priorities, the significance of making the main thing the main thing. In your life, have you ever had moments where you're like, I'm just scattered everywhere. I'm not even really sure what I'm focusing on. Keeping the main thing is about prioritizing what is the most important thing in our lives. In the early church, as we read the book of Acts, one thing is really clear is that the early church kept the main thing, the main thing, and there were There were things that happened. There were conversations that had to be had. There were disagreements, but they tried really hard in both their proclamation to others and within their own conversations to remember that this is about Jesus. This is about the number of times in the book of Acts it says, in the name of Jesus. They were doing something that was mind-blowing. They were saying that resurrection is real, that the Messiah had come, and that they were proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. They kept the main thing, the main thing. And as a community of faith, as generations have passed on, we have lost at times keeping the main thing, the main thing. But it is vital to what we are called to do as a community of faith. I'd love to hear Jane Curran, our missions director, when she talks about the main thing. I don't know if you've ever heard her say this, probably so. When she talks about what we do, the various missions, whether I'm in a one-on-one conversation with her or she's talking to a large group, she talks about we take what Jesus did, how Jesus served others, and we go and we live that out. We aren't just another volunteer organization, we are going to share Jesus Christ. We are going to serve out of this amazing love that has been given to us. That's keeping the main thing, the main thing. So we remember that we are part of a collective movement, that the Holy Spirit pours out on us as that collective movement, that we are to keep the main thing, the main thing, and we are to claim the truth of our birth and choose to live in the way that reflects our origins. Here, we use the language of share Christ, serve others, and grow in faith. It isn't something we just came up with. It's what we believe is the current everyday language that says what Jesus said in Matthew 28, that we're to go and make disciples. One of our responsibilities here is working, engaging folks who are new at this church and how do we connect folks, whether it's through our Connect to Concord, getting connected with groups, various things. There's a question that I get. In fact, I vividly remember it a couple of years ago. It was a couple, the wife had grown up in the church and was familiar with the church, and the, the husband had not. And he just he goes, This may be a weird question, but I, I just want to know why would I join the church? Why would I join the church? For some of us, we join the church because of. We were born into the church, and that's what our families did, and we've raised our own families to do that. Like, being part of a church just is natural to us because it's what we have been raised to do. For some of us, that's not our experience. And so the question of why join the church isn't about becoming part of another organization, There are many organizations that we can become a part of. It isn't about becoming part of an institution. That's not it. It's not because being a part of a church means we get all these privileges. In fact, joining a church means responsibility. We commit to prayers, presence, witness, service, and giving. Now, why do we join a church? We join a church because we're called to be part of a collective movement in which the Holy Spirit has poured out upon for generations. We join a church because we get to keep the main thing, the main thing. We get to be part of something much bigger than us. We get to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. That is what we are called to do. Whether we are a member of this church or not, or whether we're considering it, or whether we've been a member of this church for decades, that never changes. We are called. We are called. We are called as those in the early church were called. On that day when they gathered together and the Holy Spirit poured out upon them, and they went and they turned the world upside down in the name of jesus christ and we get to do the same thing one day at a time may we be faithful to those who have gone before us let us pray oh lord we thank you we thank you that you call us to something much bigger than us as individuals that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Lord, may we be faithful to the call. May we seek every day to share Christ, serve others, and grow in faith. And may we remember the meaning, implications, and tradition of the birth we celebrate today. In your holy name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org.